Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at assaultlimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available, American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American-made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. And we are back with another episode of Squared Away. You were on a trip last week, brother. What's up? Oh, man. It was a good trip. Uh, I had to go to L.A. for business and then fly over to Dallas. So um, I know when I say L.A., people are probably cringing. But, uh, yeah, how is LA? Tell tell me, tell me oh how LA is. What I told you this morning. Yeah. Oh man. Well, yeah, I went down there to. Um, so I'm in the supply chain side of the business right now. So obviously, it's going down to check out the ports. So we flew in Monday night, and um, so one of the guys I was with went down there. You know, he was driving the rental car, and as we're pulling out of the airport, head on the freeway, and there's he's he asked me, is it hailing out i'm like hailing hailing in la in la and i'm looking uh, like what does he mean by that all of a sudden i'm like oh yeah that's just garbage and literally it was it was windy monday and tuesday in la and you know when you're driving down there there is so much garbage you're talking fast food you're talking whatever it is it's just paper and everything else debris that's flying around and if you turn your head right or left they got the uh, stainless steel, the chain link fencing along their freeways. Well, it's catching all the garbage. And I'm not exaggerating when I'm saying that there's probably about um, two feet high stacked of just literally just garbage that's just blown and stuck on the fence line. And how crazy as it sounds uh, along a freeway, I mean, there are some, you know, dome tents 
so you'd see garbage, 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 garbage. Then you see a, a dome tent. And I'm like, how in a, why would somebody li- choose to live on a side of freeway when we went down to Long Beach after dinner? So literally you walk out of a, you know, a hundred and some dollar, you know, steak, steak restaurant. And you just go across the street to the beach and you look at the parking lots down there. What is nice blacktop, not like the, you know, the cracked up crap we have here because of the weather they have down there. And there's garbage everywhere. There's condiments everywhere. You literally had to watch where you stepped because it was just there's there's nobody cleaning up. There's homeless people everywhere. So just going on the beach after dinner just to be like, hey, I want to catch some ocean time because, you know, we're Wisconsinites. And uh, there's nothing but dome tents on the beach and just homeless guys, you know, living the life in the uh, cloth condos. Right. And that, and that's kind of the weird thing, like, especially I, know, I remember we saw when we were in Miami and it's like, it's beautiful, right? It's a beautiful place. So if you're if you're homeless, homeless, you're transient. Why not? I, would you want to live in Madison, Wisconsin in the winter when it's home when when you're homeless? Oh, yeah. Not a fucking chance. Yeah. So then you go down there. But. Is it groups that that group together because of the area or are they there because that's where they allow them to be like that? Right. Like Mm -hmm. I remember one day I was sitting in a a park here in Madison and I was eating my lunch because I heat heat up my lunch at a gas station. I was eating my lunch and I saw a Wanakee cop, which if you you guys, most of you are not familiar with the area. Madison, fairly big city, fairly liberal city, Wanakee affluent suburb of Madison, probably pretty conservative. And a cop brings a bum with all of his stuff and he drops him off in the park in Madison. Really? Yes. Wow. So I don't even, I probably not, was not supposed to see this, but legitimately this guy was probably in Wanakee panhandling or doing whatever. And the cop was like, Hey man, let me take you to the park in Madison. <laughs> And he oh, just yeah. drops him off, un- opens the back of the Ford Explorer, gets all of his shit out and just lets him go. So, like, how much of that is happening in an area like L.A., right? Oh, yeah. All the nice neighborhoods around the area. Like, no, let me let me give you a ride down to Long Beach. Oh, yeah. And it, it's sad because there's such beautiful areas. Like, uh, I used to vacation in Laguna Beach. Uh, if anybody's familiar with that area, they have sawdust days. It's super artistic because uh, I'm artsy-fartsy. I admit it. And... You know, places where you could rollerblade along, places you could bike along, the the tent community and the garbage literally has worked its way onto that that concrete. And that's what L.A. was to me. I used to go there a lot to vacation. You know, I like that. I'm a California type guy. And uh, um, the area that used to be considered good, it's really kind of uh, it's cloudy now. I mean, there everything is it's sad. Even the. Um, the business areas that we're in that had the warehousing that we're meeting and the, the nice, you know, the business, the corporate headquarters along all the streets were basically RVs, rusted, broken down RVs. They're not like driving around anywhere. They're literally parked permanently on the side of the street, up and down the sides. You couldn't park anywhere. And in between there in the parking stalls where it should be a car, all of a sudden every once in a while you'd see, a, you know, a dome tent. So that's, and there's garbage everywhere as well. So there's just, they've kind of been enabled to uh, live that way. And somebody like you or I, like we don't feel super comfortable being in a place like that and walking through that area, but like we're, we're not going to like 
shy away from it or be scared to go through there to get somewhere. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that are like that is going to stop a lot of people from using those areas or going to those businesses oh, yeah. or using that beach or like you said, with the porta potty, like, oh, you got to yeah. go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. You might as well piss outside <laughs> because it's going to be cleaner than using the public porta potty on Long Beach. Yeah. Yeah. And what I was telling them is that the uh, porta potty that I went into uh, off Long Beach, I was like, oh, I got to take a pisser before we leave. I walk in there and there wasn't much floor because there was basically a Budweiser, you know, uh, six pack that was empty and no one was emptying the shit out of this thing. So literally, if you sat down on this toilet, you'd be sitting on somebody else's shit. It was so bad. And there's garbage all over. So, yeah, it's just it's disgusting. And, you know, Madison's getting that, too. I mean, there's a park in Madison that has turned into the homeless campground and people are not using it. anymore. I'm interested to see what that's going to look like when it gets cold. Because we're just getting there. Like last night was 37 degrees, 38 degrees. Like we're just starting to get cold. Like what happens when we get dead winter, Wisconsin? Well, they, so I used to work with Madison until I quit because I was so fed up because, um, you know, Madison, every city I've been, I always, I have a heart for the homeless. And uh, I tried to work with Madison on their program. And these guys and gals have the ability to get three square meals a day, Monday through Friday. On Saturday, they have the ability to get four to five meals. On Sunday, they have the ability to get up to seven meals and get bust for free. So by having that, they're enabled. Well, they know they're going to be able to eat and they know they get their welfare checks. They know where to get them, when to get them. But also they get like a 60 day credit. So there are homeless shelters around the area that they get 60 days to manage and they know how to do that. So between the welfare checks that they blow on drugs and hotel rooms, right? Um, they manage that those 60 days over the coldest and worst weather days of the year. So that's how they, you know, manage to have that many homeless. And so if you, if you get 60 days, let's say you and I are homeless and, and you mm-hmm. get 60 days and I get 60 days. So can we like shack up together? No. Oh, okay. No. So when they check them in, so there's a certain time, I believe it's uh, six or seven o'clock at night. You'll see them lining up at one of the you know church basements. The one on the square is one of them. So they'll all line up and basically use a credit to Got stay there it. Got on it. the coldest days of the year. So they manage that way. So that's how there's homeless in the Midwest. And they just took over um, through Savers. COVID. They took over some hotels too. Yes. And in, in, I don't know if that was a Dane County thing or a Madison City thing, but I know they took City a of Madison. City of Madison thing. Mayor, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they took that over all those. Um, there's an area where there's a Perkins, there's some business buildings, and there's like, you know, the Roadstar Inns. I think there's a Hampton Inn that wasn't involved. So basically, these are these like cheaper mo- yeah, motels versus $30, $40 yeah. night type places. And they just loaded them up with uh, on city funding. And yeah, there's drugs and crime was rampant. So, you know. And it's tough, yeah. man, because like, what, what was it? The a society is judged by how they treat their weakest or poorest. Right. Like, but there's better ways ena- to do enabling it. them is not, is not doing it. Yeah. When so, I worked in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin, or let's just go back. I mean, I, I got fed up with the uh, program in Madison because they're just enabling people. And so I went to um, Sun Prairie and hopped on a board. The board's called shelter from the storm where literally, you know, we set up a program, you know, um, bought a apartment complex and then had a lot of donors like sub zero 
um, you know, U.S. Cellular, they donated all the stuff to create. There's, you know, multiple units within this and a, you know, central, you know, shared unit that allows them to learn. So we bring in people, we have to qualify them first. And then you bring the people in and then it's like a three to six month education, more like six months to get people on, you know, budget habits, to get people um, to understand, you know, how to spend their money, you know, groceries, um, how to be off drugs, how to be away from, I mean, if they have bad contacts in the area, then in Peoria, there's, um, they have homeless shelters there that work in the same program. So it allows them to be like, hey, we don't want you to be around here because you're going to leave the building and you got these three people are going to drag you back in the same shit again. So we're going to send you down to Peoria where you don't know anybody and then you you can focus on this program. And then businesses nearby will actually train them, you know, train them to be a cook, train them to do some sort of skill. So at the end of the six months, they know how to manage their their finances. They know how to rent and keep up a place, buy groceries, you know, when they need them and what they need and hold a job. Because without that, I mean, we tried taking somebody off the street when they had, remember we had those corner people in, uh, yep. in Sun Prairie? Yep. Uh, we took one person and got them a job at Quick Trip. And that person lasted not even five hours. I'd say like four and a half hours. And then they walked off the job, went back to the corner with their sign because that's just what they've known to do. Yeah. There's no habit building there. Yeah. So, but they're gone now because they all got moved to Madison. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's. So is that, a, that's a national program? I mean, is that like something that regional. different regional? Okay. It's private. Okay. So federal doesn't fund it. Yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, every federal, federal funded program that I've been part of um, has not worked because well, they just. That's kind of the damage part of, of, of all the federal funding, right? I mean, if you look at what the church used to do for families, what the church used to do, it, it, that hole has been filled by federal. Well, federal is literally just throw money at it. It look at private schooling versus public schooling. You know, it's, it's ideally you're working with the same amount of money because teachers in a private school don't make three times as much as teachers in a public school. Right. So it's not like you're it's not like you're dealing with, you know, the A plus teachers versus the the D student teachers. Yeah. It's just more oversight, more intelligent spending, more planning. And less, I guess, just appeasing and appealing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but everything you know, federally is everything government does is fucked up. Right. And ass backwards. Yeah. There's no accountability. In anything i may mean, tell you some horrendous stories about what they're doing with the va but you know that's that could be another topic but uh you know on this trip i mean that's one portion of it you know getting into la and then i went to dallas and also i'm like i'm staying in downtown dallas and then we're at the hutchinson convention center right down there and i maybe saw one homeless person walking around but the streets were all clean there was no garbage anywhere in the freeways you know that's a difference in policy from one area to another. Yeah, 100%. Whether, whether it's red or blue, it's policy, yeah. good or bad. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's one thing that was, you know, an eye-opener in the trip uh, for the people that I was with. But the other thing is, um, you know, coming out of that 120 some dollars steakhouse I was just telling you about is, you know, I'm sitting in there, I'm looking around, and at my table, you know, you got two African-Americans who are basically, you know, uh, my vendors yeah, funding, they're this, funding, uh, this. funding this dinner. Um, two Asians, one of them was myself, and then two white folk, 
if you want to call them that. <laughs> but I look around the restaurant and it's an even mix of ethnicity, the diversity. And none of them are there because of, you know, out, equality of outcome. It was all equality of opportunity. All these are our business folks. We're all, we're all been working hard and we're all making deals, spinning, you know, spinning deals. So, you know, all that crap that you hear in, in the media and then you go out and actually go out and see it. I think that's what we were talking about today, too, is a growth mindset. Yeah. Because uh, the thing I love the most about this trip is and getting back to, I mean, the last 26 years where I've been able to work on a global level is to, to sit down and meet and talk with people from other countries. You know, I have contacts, not in newer contacts from other countries, getting to know their stories, getting to know what's happening in Mexico City, getting to know what's really happening in Canada. And, uh, you know, talking to people in other states, you know, um, got to be real close with a, a dude that was from New York. He was a VP of the company that that's our vendor. Uh, had great stories, you know, people from the South, you know, people in Georgia. So I'll be taking a trip there soon. And um, you learn so much from those. You learn to get your head up from looking down at the ground. And it helps you with your growth mindset because it puts everything in perspective. Everything that we do here is affected by what's happening globally. So that's why it's important to understand what's happening globally. And understand what's happening from the people that are in it, in that town, in that city, in that state, in that country versus what the media wants us to see from that area. Like yeah. we talked about last week with the um, ivermectin and India, right? Like you and I saw that art, same article that said that, you know, this one area of India had completely basically gotten rid of COVID. Well, and then somebody else that that has family there sends me, you know, some messages like, hey, that's bullshit. That was all political, 100 percent oh. political, you know, and so like. We saw that. We saw the news article and we're like, oh, look at that. Like and but from the actual ground, not the case. And that's the same with like what you're talking about with all these different people. Like it's totally different. Oh, yeah. In the reality of it is totally different. Yeah. And on, on my last flight back to uh, Wisconsin, um, um, unfortunately, I was surrounded by a bunch of army guys because Wisconsin played army this weekend. And I sat next to this guy who's, uh, you know, 65 year old. He's still working as a county commissioner down by Jacksonville area. Uh, owns a cattle ranch down there and he showed me a picture because his uh his daughter uh, works as a nurse and basically she was forced to take a vaccine but at the time she was taking a vaccine she was breastfeeding you know their newborn son so he shows me a picture of um did i show you that picture mm -mm. oh he shows me a picture and that, that's maybe something we can post and i'm like hey dude can i take a picture of this and then him and i connected on social media but shows a picture of what I'm showing you here is the the bag on the left of the breast milk is normal. It's white. The breast milk that's on the right is post vax. Shut up. Yeah, no lie. Is green. It's green. The breast milk is green. Light green, yeah. So whether it's causing some type of infection, but there it has definitely caused a change. In the makeup of that breast milk. What the fuck? And what's crazy about it, that he was also telling me about him and his wife had gotten um, gotten COVID. And uh, through a veterinarian contact, because, you know, he's a cattle rancher. Mm -hmm. Got had, some ivermectin. Got some ivermectin, took it, and it was gone within yeah. 24 hours. Yep. And he said, you know, within three days, he just felt like he was just back to normal yep. again. So, so what does that tell you? 
But, you know, that's kind of the blessing of being able to meet people from all different areas of life and, you know, what they've experienced. I think it's so much better than I think media right now is no different than what they're doing in the White House when they're doing these. I don't know what they're doing, these idiot talks with Biden and they have a stage. Yeah, set up. I don't know. What's I don't going know what on. that does. Why don't they just throw the cameras in the White House? What's the thing? I don't if you if you've watched, um, there's an amazing I guess it's a congressional hearing, but it's it's I think it's Rand Paul and he's talking about the vaccine mandates. And and he's and he basically says, like, I I don't want anyone to get sick and die. But how about you guys try some sort of convincing methods, the science put together, put together some sort of plan to get people that to want to do it not mandate them to do it because the the minute that you mandate something you're taking away people's freedoms and then it's no longer just about doing it or not doing it it's about doing it because daddy government told me to do it and that's a big deal and if you don't think it's a big deal look up the word incrementalism because yes you're right one tiny little step is not a big deal but one tiny little step after another after another after another after another is the nazi regime yeah it's frog in a pot theory so yep. um but yeah that's the you know the second portion of this trip that was you know so i mean invigorating for me I mean, the third part is actually going down to the ports. Yeah, and seeing, I wanted to hit that, too, before we moved on. Tell and, us about the supply chain issues down there. Yeah. So the issues that, you know, that I'm dealing with that I'm trying to figure out as well is everything that's coming in right now. There's a lot of stuff that's on the water. And, you know, personally, you know, I have product that that has been sitting in the water for three weeks trying to get it into port and get it into the market um, between the price issues that we're dealing with. Um, and that, you know, let's talk about price for a minute here Yep. because the administration, you know, Jen Psaki comes out and saying that, um, all these, you know, price increases aren't going to affect the, it's absurd to, that's going to affect the price to the consumer. Well, how is the, uh, how is our business going to be able to make any money and we can't sell it to a loss. So if I sell you a product, I have to somehow pass that extra cost of freight that's coming over from, you know, Vietnam, I got to pass that to you. I can't absorb all that because otherwise I have no margin to make money. There's no reason to even sell the product. Yep. So simple, simple economics. Yeah. So to put in perspective what you normally get a container overseas. So what, if you're buying whatever widget, widget, a yeah, widget, a you go to Walmart and buy it, it's got to come over in a container. Well, you have X amount of products on a container and you take it times five to $8,000, right? And I would probably say 11,000 is the threshold. Well, right now you got containers coming across um, low 12,000. And I've just got a um, options back from, you know, the freight container, the shipping company going up to 20,000. So somehow that- Double the cost. Yeah. Somehow that cost is going to have to be absorbed in all the products. It's not the, the products I have out there. It's your toothpaste. It's- clothing it's everything that you can think of that you lift up and it says hey made in vietnam because we don't produce a fucking thing here anymore right that's the problem so nothing's free no nothing's free at all and the problem that i saw down there is that and the thing is you know biden went down there to try to resolve it and here's what happened is there's not enough labor down there so let's say you see 50 cranes down on long beach 
Well, the Long Beach four port. of them are working, yeah. Because they don't have any workers. Yeah. And then in between that, you also have a problem with the union because the union's only going to allow them to work 10 hours a day. Yeah. So so 10% of capacity approximately. Yeah. Just just total guess, but 10% of capacity of receiving. Yeah. And you got people that are you know wanting to work. They can work 12 hours. They can work the Saturday or Sunday. They will want the overtime. But the thing is, you know, that cost of labor also has to get absorbed as well. Yep. But they can't find workers to work other shifts. There's just not enough people. And that's a shortage everywhere. Yep. Even down to um, last night, I heard even Jimmy John's on the street had to shut down. Subways. Subways are everything. closing everywhere. Places are going, you know, fast food is going to just drive through. No one inside. Yeah, you can't. If you don't have people, you're not going to have businesses. So, and if you can't get product in, you're not going to have products. So what's going to happen? I mean, this is not. 33% of working age males. So 18 to 65, 33% of them are not working right now. Yeah. That was a, that was a Yahoo news article. This isn't a fucking Fox news article. This is a Yahoo finance article. Yeah. And they go, they cover the top five reasons that they're not working. And some of it is government benefits. Some of it is savings. Some of it is early retirement. Some of it is living off family and friends and girlfriends and spouses. And the main thing deep down in there is the work ethic, is the interest in work, the interest in accomplishment, the feeling of success through the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's used to be the American way. Yeah, it's not getting any better. Not so I much. I mean, it just seems like the administration's, you know, drive to destroy the middle class. And so, and, and you said, so he went down there, he wanted to negotiate with the union, but really what they were negotiating for was an extra two hours out of each employee. Yeah, they're, they're just trying to generate enough hours to get, you know, this stuff unloaded. So on so an eight-hour workday, two more hours would be 25% increase. Yeah. We need a 1,000% increase. If we're at 20, if we're at 10%, we need a thousand percent increase to yeah. get to to get to where we need to be. Yeah, to a hundred percent ability. Yep. So we're think, negotiating for a twenty five percent increase. Yeah. <laughs> so think about how this impacts us. Right now, every retailer is panicking because what's around the corner? Black Friday. That's where high volume. That's probably the highest volume of shopping, basically in the year, and you have to get your supplies in now then i mean literally now mm-hmm. but the, between the delays you know with factories shut down over covid and having to ramp back up overseas and now you have all these delays getting the container over here and then you got these delays trying to get the containers unloaded that's even before it even gets off the metal box to the store yep trucking so try- shortages yep so you got trucking shortages now that you got to deal with and then the costs associated with getting that product moved is insane and managing your inventory. So right now, I mean, black we, we could be okay through Black Friday with some people's surplus. But after that, from then until middle of next year, maybe out of a lot of stuff. I saw this, and I'm not going to say that I forecasted where we would be now because that, that, that would be total bullshit. But I saw this pain when I first started doing products for Urban Savage. When I first started looking for American made products, because that's what I wanted that brand to be. I wanted it to be American produced, not just a fucking, you know, imported T-shirt that's printed in America and you put on it because there's some companies that I talk to that claim that they're American made. (laughs) And I emailed them on the side. I just was like, hey, love your shirts. Want to order some for myself? What blanks are they? They told me exactly what blanks they are. None of them were made here. (laughs) Made in China. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Vietnam, Italy, Vietnam, Thailand, yeah, yeah. Philippines. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so I get into hats, right? And I wanted to have a, I wanted to have hats made in America from scratch. So I found the, one of the best companies, one of the top companies, great, beautiful hats, you know, awesome advertising. And I said, I want, you know, I want more information on your American made line. And he goes, well, we can do this, 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 or this. I was like, okay, well, I want this, but I want to pull the padding out of the brim. Like I wanted some custom stuff done because I wanted the hat to be nicer than the one that they sent me, the blank that they sent me. And he's like, nah, if you want, if you want the, really the nicer stuff that's done is, is all done overseas. You're going to have to order them from the overseas line. I'm like, how the, how the fuck is that a thing? How is that a thing? Yeah. Here, it's going to cost me more. It's going to be a shittier product. We used to be, I, I would be 100% okay with ordering that hat and it costing me $5 more, me passing that $5 onto the consumer more, you know, because I'm not going to, I'm not just going to eat that five bucks because you don't make that much. Right. So instead of a $24.99 hat, I'm going to have a $29.99 hat, but it's going to be a superior product. No, now we lack quality and we lack pricing ability. Wow. We've lost that completely. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. I mean, let me, you know, with Biden going down there, let me uh, tell you something that's not on the news. So I don't know what's being reported on the news. I have not watched CNN or any anything in like weeks. But so when I was down there, so Biden was supposed to come down there and supposedly, you know, in quotes, help this, you know, situation. Well, what was happening when I was down there is that private companies – um, the two biggest ones, um, Walmart and Costco, basically decided, hey, you know, since this is happening, we're just going to have our own ships. We're going to go get our containers and we're going to bring them back ourselves. And that's what triggered the administration to go down there. So the administration went down there and whether it's popped up on the news now or not, I don't know. I guess you guys will have to tell me is he went down there and right now they basically are trying to legislate. So that private companies cannot go do that. So you heard us here. Tell me if it's going to be on the news or not. I did hear that Costco was going to do that, but I did not hear that they were going to try to legislate against that. Yeah. And I think it, I think they already got it through. So that's got, I mean, that's got to be a play for the union, right? Yeah. It's got to be. That's the only thing that I, because otherwise it makes no sense. Between the like, admin and, and the union right now. They're basically not long private to take care of their own business unions. And, and this is, this is going to be a hot topic because people, there's a lot of union families out there and I get it. Unions are needed and were needed, especially. Yeah. I think especially contractors. Yes. Yeah. Independent contractors and yes. unions are, I think you need that. But when a union is too powerful, Mm-hmm. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, and that is not that does that does not go to the wayside just because it's on the side of the worker. Because listen to God, it's way early in the Rogan podcast, but if you guys want to find it, I'm sure a quick Google will pull it up. It was a, it was a a guy who worked for I believe Chrysler in the 80s, 70s, and 80s, and because the union was so powerful in the Detroit auto manufacturing, they they pushed to have a job that was basically half of what a human being could do. So these guys would go in and they would work half shifts. So you and me were working on the assembly line right next to each other. I could do both our jobs or you could do both our jobs, but the union had it so that your job was split from my job. So what you would do is you would come in from eight to noon and do both of our jobs, clock me in. I would come in and do noon to four, do both of our jobs and clock you out. 
So we're both getting paid for a full day's work, but you would work a half day and I would work a half day. And this was common. <laughs> like this guy talked about this. It was, it was so common across the board, across yeah. all the assembly lines. Well, guess what? You want to know why you want to know why Honda and, and Toyota and, and Hyundai and all these companies have just surpassed and, and GM Ford, they're all coming back, but slowly. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I worked in a union for uh, five years. I was brought in to uh, help bring technology in because, yeah, you have a bunch of guys that don't understand. They can't. Unions cannot transition from no technology to technology very well. So they got to bring an outsider. So I got brought in as a journeyman for five years and I, I played the game for a while there because as part of a union. You come in, I'm a journeyman, but I'm still low on the journeyman totem pole. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all these seniority issues that if you don't do shit right, they're going to file all these grievances and it costs the, the company more money to try to figure it out. And it's just a bunch of bullshit. So, you know, a lot of times I'd go in on overtime to if there's the volume of work that's there. But I can't go in on overtime unless they bring in these other guys who are not skilled at it. So literally... Imagine that you're trying to create a product, manufacture a product, and you got to pay these guys to come in and do nothing so that you can bring in somebody lower on a totem pole to actually get the work done. And, and I played the game, too, because I was in third shift and I figured out, oh, well, the union basically says you can only produce X amount of widgets per hour. Right. Well, I know how to you know manage running multiple pieces of technology to manufacture four times the amount. So I'd go in on a third shift and think, oh, even I think my bosses knew at that time. I'd go on a third shift in two hours. I had the whole shift done. And, and then nothing left to do because you can't overproduce. Yeah. For the six hours, I just literally put my feet literally on the desk and leaned back on my chair and took a nap. And and it was easy. I mean, I could overproduce all day long and not even break a sweat. But because of the union, you limit the amount of work you can produce. I mean, they just not are looking for, they don't see the big picture. Yeah. And eventually, like I said, that union got, you know, swallowed up by the Teamsters because they just don't manage their, their funds that are coming in. Yeah. So. Well, if you, you show me, show me a union head, show me a union boss, then show me their fucking pay structure, show me their salary, show me their, their bonuses and their benefits. And now you can pretty much right there distinguish whether it's a useful union or not. Yeah. Well, that when, guy's when making all of the se- meetings are in a resort in Mexico. Yeah. Yep. Discussing what I have no, you know, no clue. Yep. And the contracts have never changed. So, yeah. Yeah. It's that's funny. So, that, yeah, that was my journey. But I think it rolls into today where I think having experiences like that, whether it's positive or negative, is, is so good. So positive for your uh, your growth mindset. Yeah. You know, it helps you get your head from looking at the ground and understand it gives you a global situational awareness that how that's going to impact you months down the road. So deep dive today as we're 33 minutes in already. <laughs> no, no, no. It was good. That was, that was a good, that was, yeah, we were rolling and, and there's a lot of good information there. I think everybody really does need to hear because I was really interested because we all hear about the supply chain issues. And I was really interested to hear that it really is a labor issue. It's not necessarily a um, ability issue with the port. It's a, it's a labor issue. Yeah. Um, so, the book is Mindset by Carol Dweck. Carol Dweck is, I believe, a Harvard research scientist, doctor, um, not doctor, like MD doctor, but doctorate. And 
Carol wrote this book basically out of necessity because all of her science and studies that she did started to show her some really distinguished differences between two groups of people. And the groups of people are a fixed mindset group and a growth mindset group. Um, So first, excuse me, I want to start out with just basically defining mindset. And a mindset is the established set of attitudes held by a person. Attitude is kind of in there and needs to be defined also a settled way of feeling. So simply put, mindset is the overall makeup of all of your different ways of thinking or feeling. So your mindset is, let's say, your running system. It is how you deal with everything that comes at you in a day. It is how you handle challenges. It is how you approach your goals. It is how you spend the the subconscious efforts in your day, right? So if I give you a task and I say, go rake the lawn, right? Your mindset's going to have a little bit to do with that because it's going to be like, are you excited to go rake the lawn or are you pissed off because I said to go rake the lawn because I'm going to go do something else? But really, that's not necessarily a fixed versus growth mindset issue. A fixed versus growth mindset issue would be like, hey, I have an issue with the podcast. I need it to be edited a different way. Could you take it on for me? And that's where a fixed mindset would be like, I don't know how to edit podcasts, right? A growth mindset would be, hey, do you have any idea where I can learn to do this editing and then I'll figure out how to do it and improve it, right? So when brainstorming with a doctoral student about why some students are caught up in improving ability and, or sorry, not improving, improving ability, and some can just let go and recognize the ability to learn um, is when Carol and her doctorate student really discovered the difference between the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. It really comes down to the definition of ability. There's two definitions of ability and two ways that people see what ability is. There is the fixed ability. And if you have a fixed uh, a definition of ability in your mind of, of ability being fixed, then you're always judging yourself by your your current ability. And then if you're judging yourself by your current ability, we all want to feel good about ourselves. That's that's in our making. Then we're always worried about proving our ability and not worried about improving our ability. So that is the fixed mindset. The other definition of ability is a changeable ability or a growth ability. And that just means really that that steps back from ability and goes one step further or one step further back to the ability to improve, the ability to learn a task. I am not I am not what I can do today. I am what I can learn to do tomorrow, you know? And right. so that that's really what where they figured the difference in the, the people are is how they define ability in their mind. Um, good quote here from Benjamin Barber. I don't divide the world into the weak and the strong or the success and the failures. Those who make it or don't, I divide the world into learners and non-learners. And that one really hits the the base of the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. The learners, the people who, if I look at a subject or I look at a task and I feel invigorated by the ability to learn it, that's a growth mindset. Whereas if I look at a task like this fucking swimming, right? Like when I first started this shit, I could swim one lap down and back and I had to take a break. Seven years ago, that may have t- 
turned me off of swimming because I generally am fairly good at things when I try them the first time. That not the case. (laughs) But now the way that I am now, the way that I've developed over the last 10, God, I'm 37 already, the 10 to 15 years, (laughs) I've developed that growth mindset and I really broke it down to all right, there's the stroke, there's the body position, there's the breathing and there's the relaxing, right? And I and I took it and I looked at it and I looked at it like like I needed to learn it. And I may not be able to do it today, but I will be able to do it at some point in time. What is it going to take for me to get to that some point in time? Well, first of all, it's going to take a lot of effort because it's just going to take me doing it. It's going to take me in the pool, swimming down, swimming back, taking a breath. Swimming down, swimming back, because first of all, I'll tell you that getting comfortable with the breathing to the point that you can actually relax your body is is difficult and takes time. You can't just be like, hey, all right, you exhale while your face is in the water and then you turn it to the side and you inhale. Oh, great. Thanks. Thanks for that. (laughs) It just it doesn't just pick up in your mind. It's not just a natural thing. Yeah. Have you noticed that the uh, water also elicits amount of stress in your body? Yeah, I can. I can. And the thing is, is so I told you today. All right. Got a little update on where I am for swimming. I'm up. I did five laps this morning. No break. Five laps. That's half half the way that I need to be from where I started to where I need to be November 1st. My first five laps, I'd say the first three of those laps, I was really relaxed. I was calm. My body was moving fluidly and I was not out of breath. And then I started to get tense and I started to get stressed. And with that, all of a sudden I started to get out of oxygen because whether it's my body using that much more oxygen or it's mental, whatever it is, the stress induced lack of oxygen. Yeah. It's weird how that works. But during, while I was relaxed, super smooth. Yeah. I mean, that's why people. a lot of people are just like, you know, worst way to die. They don't want to drown. Well, water is a great equalizer. You throw yeah. somebody in the ocean, a lot of times they fear the ocean because it's this volume of water that induces uh, stress to your body. Now yeah. add that and now you're trying to, you know, efficiently swim and get your breathing down right. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of variables. 100%. Um, so- I really want to, before we get into how to build a growth mindset, I want to give you guys, what are we at? We're at 39 minutes. So I really want to give you guys some, I guess, knowledge and some of her studies that she went through that really show how important a growth mindset is. So one of the first one is, is as early as four, she gave kids uh, puzzles and it was a simple puzzle. And then they were offered a harder puzzle. First, they were screened for growth mindset, first fixed mindset. And the way that they screened for that is just a simple questionnaire. Do you think that intelligence is, and for kids, they would use different wording, right? But do you think that intelligence is pretty much given or do you think you can improve it? Just a simple questionnaire of a bunch of questions like that. And then that distinguishes whether you are a growth mindset person or a fixed mindset person. So the kids with the growth mindset chose harder puzzles. They were astonished that anybody would want to do the same puzzle over and over again. Right. Like why? How boring would that be? And they would constantly push themselves to do harder puzzles. They would say things like, I was hoping this would be informative. I was hoping I was going to learn something today. Some of them even asked for harder puzzles to take home with them because they looked at it as 
not necessarily a conscious thing to grow, but they were looking at it as, oh, I'm getting better. I'm improving. I want a harder challenge. All the kids with a fixed mindset chose to keep doing the same puzzle over and over because they were successful. Yeah, they know they're going to win. They judge themselves on their success. Even if it's not hard, they judge themselves on their success, not on their effort. So they're four, right? This isn't a huge deal, but this really piqued her interest into these two mindsets. So then she started thinking, well, what would happen if this was a big deal, right? This was a make or break situation for someone's life. She took advantage of the Hong Kong university system. So in the Hong Kong university system, everything is in English. Tests are in English, lectures are in English, books are in English, everything, English. A portion of the population that comes into Hong Kong university is not fluent in English, okay? So she took all of these and and they, they know prior to them getting there, whether they are going to be fluent or not. I'm sure it's it's probably part of a questionnaire to get in, but they take everyone. So they do uh, another one of these screenings, fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And then they ask all these people that are not fluent in English, if the faculty offered an English class to become more fluent and improve your abilities in English, would you be interested in taking it? And the fixed mindset people had zero interest in taking a class on English. This is going to make or break their educational career from then on, which assumably is going to make or break their life. But their fixed mindset stopped them from wanting to take a class on something that they were not good at. Whereas the growth mindset were almost 100% interest. Yes, I, I need to improve this. Put me in a class to improve my English so that I can then do better in all of my education that's in English so then I can get a better education so then I can make a better life. These are make or break situations. Yeah. These aren't puzzles for four year olds. So with that, she was basically she was convinced, right? She, she had figured out these differences, but she was initially a fixed mindset person when she was younger. And this kind of gave her a little bit of a of a of a conundrum because she wanted to then learn how to develop the growth mindset because she wanted to achieve that. She wanted to achieve good things and nobody's like 100% fixed, 100% growth. They are leaning one way, leaning the other way. You have days where you're really good on the growth mindset, you have days where you're bad on it. Yeah. But like everything, it's the action. That was another thing I wanted to get into quick, totally unrelated to the mindset. Um, the squared away pillars are not about where you're at. They're not about what your physical ability is. We talk about that because we are doing things to improve where we are at. But the getting squared away is not about where you are at right now. It's about we do these every week, right? Right. So it's about the seven days, the 168 hours of the effort that you have put into your physical pillar, the effort you have put into your mental pillar, the effort you've put into your emotional pillar and the effort that you've put into your spiritual pillar. This is about the action. This is about the habit. This is about the little things that you've done in those 168 hours. It's not about where you're at. 
I just I want I wanted to get that out there um, because I think that there is a little bit of a confusion because of how we talk because we do we you know where are you at and, and I'll ask where you're at and you'll tell me where you're at and I'll tell you where I'm at but we're judging ourselves versus where we were the other day right right like last week like yeah. I've improved I haven't improved. I have improved because I've put in this amount of effort towards this goal. I haven't improved because I haven't done spiritual practice as much as I should over the last 168 hours that, but it's about the effort. Sorry. Total. I wanted to get that out before we even got into this deep dive, but it's totally related. Yes. You know, it's like what she, you know, you know, reading the book, it's, yeah, she's what challenges are you putting in your life? What voluntary challenges you're putting in life to, you know, elicit that growth mindset. Or, you know, the fixed mindset is it literally, you know, when she's talking about what she's talking about, it just reminds me so much of, you know, you're from a small town. Yeah. You know, that small town mindset, you can call it small town mindset. I don't call it small town mindset. It's just you choose to either be comfortable or fixed in where you're at. So, and... I don't know where I'm going with this because yeah, no, no, I, I, know I think I just yes. had a lot of conversations, you know, with a lot yeah. of people that are, yeah, in that small town and are still there, yeah, and that just don't want to get out of there. They yeah. don't want to lift their head up and see, you know, what's around them. Yeah, and we're all on our own path, and if that's their path, and they're okay with it, that's fine. But then I also don't want to hear how unhappy they are. And I don't want to hear about their alcoholism because they're trying to numb without yeah. how unhappy they are. Well, you know, I don't want them to vote to affect. That's a that's a weird that thing too. Shit with, snowball that you know they can set rolling. That's a weird thing too. I mean, it, <laughs> not to totally get off of off of topic, but popular vote. Yeah. Should we? I don't know. Look yeah. around. I don't know that we should. I don't know. I mean, this could be the worst thing to say, but for me, I'm more like, hey, you know what? Maybe if you're going to vote, you need to take an IQ test in multiple areas. Hold on. I want to take it a step further than that. A step further than that? If you're going to (laughs) reproduce. Have you been watching? Have you watched, uh, what did you call it? Uh, That stupid ass movie. Well, oh, that's super. Idiocracy. Idiocracy? Yeah. Yeah. No, I have seen it. It's awesome. Oh, you have seen it? Oh, yeah, for sure. When you talk yeah. about reproduction, Terry well, Cruz that's is the president. Yeah, that, that's like the <laughs> we're first, not that far away from that. The first five minutes of that movie talks about explains the science of you know stupid reproduction. Yeah, and literally, well, one of Joe Rogan's saying, best comedy bits was stupid people are outbreeding smart people at a staggering pace. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no shit. Right? Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, I just watched it again the other night just yeah. because uh, just for entertainment. But but, but the we're not sad that thing far is, from it. no, that's the sad thing is when we watch that when that come out mid nineties, early two thousands. That was mid two thousands. Was it mid two thousands? Two thousand five, two thousand six. Okay. Yeah. So when that movie came out, it was a joke. Now you watch it and it's like not so far away. Oh yeah. Well, it's funny because uh, yeah, when Trump was president, I mean, people were saying, "Oh, now we're not that far from mediocrity." Yeah. Like, eh, I think it. Pertains more to the people yeah. than, you know, yeah. who's up on top. So, 
Um, all right, back to this quick because yeah. I want to get to the how to change your mindset. But one one more thing, I'm going to skip over a few of these, uh, a few of my notes here. But one thing I wanted to really bring up is th- they took uh, students and they wired them up to, um, I think it was a functional MRI, and they studied brainwaves. And they measured brainwaves for interest and attention during a class evaluation or, or a test evaluation. And the fixed mindset students showed alert and attentiveness while they were being told their questions were right or wrong, their answers were right or wrong. But then when it got into the how to improve your wrong questions um, and how to like the learning part of it, they were totally shut off. Their brainwaves went to no interest, no alertness. Whereas the group that was growth mindset, their alert and attentiveness was when the information was being given that could improve their intelligence, how to, you know, you solve this question wrong. Here is what you did wrong. Here's how to improve your thought process for the next time you come across a question like this. Here is how to solve this math equation. That's when they were peaked. So it's, it's that deep. Your mindset is ingrained that deep into your, the, the activity in your brain is different. Wow. Yeah. Right. Trying to picture that. Yeah. Um, you guys want, she, she did do a, she did a quick Ted talk, but Ted talks are always only like eight minutes. So you don't get near the amount of, of information as you do in the book, but the book is, the book is awesome. Um, and there's a ton of people like this book. One of the reasons I wanted to go through this is because I think it was JP Donnell had a comment about the mindset on someone else's, um, post. And I was, and I, and I wrote him, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. We did a whole podcast on the, you know, the Carol Dweck mindset growth mindset. Yeah. And then I look back and we didn't, I talked about it at some point in time. Cause I have it in my notes, but we never did a full deep dive on this book. And, and it's amazing. This is your running yeah. system. Um, how to improve, how to improve, right? We got, I got 10 minutes. So we're going to go through two different ways to how to improve. One of the biggest things with how to improve for your kids or the people around you, if you're a teacher, if you're a coach, if you're raising kids, whatever you are, um, the the biggest thing is to praise intelligently. You do not praise outcome instead of saying, "Oh, you're really smart. You got an A on that test." That's bullshit. That that right there. So that right there is going to completely fuck up the programming in their head. You need to praise effort, but you can't. And this is one part she added to the updated part of the book. You can't praise effort if the effort isn't there because there were coaches and teachers that were that, that had read the book and, and they meant good, but they were praising effort when kids were not putting in extra effort. Right. And the, yeah. that you're not going to do anything positive there. So you need to praise effort. You need to praise process. I like how you took that problem and broke it down into little individual parts of the problem and solve those that really helped you come up with the main problem or you didn't get that right, but man, you really put a lot of time into it. What if next time we did this and you praise effort, you praise focus, you praise improvement over last time. You don't praise outcome. Yeah. That's huge. That's a number one thing. Um, neurolinguistic programming I would love to be able to do a deep dive on this sometime, but I don't even necessarily understand it enough to do a deep dive on it yet. I've read three different books and I still don't get it, but it's basically neuro-linguistic programming is all of our programming in our brain is kind of like computer programming. And if you under, understand computer programming, it the words 
make up the programming or the the letters together, the the characters make up the programming. And that's what neuro-linguistic programming is, is how you state something changes how you think about that thing. And yeah. I bring that up because the word yet versus you failed, you didn't win or accomplish that yet. You didn't fail that math test. You didn't pass that math test yet. And that difference in just that simple phrasing reprograms the brain to look at everything totally different. And that's the same. It, I mean, this is all neuro-linguistic programming, praising praising the, the effort versus praising the intelligence or praising the outcome. That's all. That's, that's linguistics. Yeah. That's words. That's changing how you said the same exact thing to change how it's taken. So that is for our kids, for our students, for coaching, for all this stuff. That, that right there, that's a quick little divot in there. Now in ourselves. And this one's a little bit harder because for one, we're grown. We've had years and years and years and years and years of fucked up damage. We're going to try to change those years and years and years of little bits of damage over a, 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 an amount of time. Nothing changes fast. So we're going to need to put in repeated effort over and over and over and over. But it's worth it. I promise it's worth it. The first thing to change the mindset in ourselves is just being aware. Yeah. Just being aware of the two different mindsets. Because slowly over time, you listen to this podcast, you'll think of something and two seconds of this podcast will pop into your head and you're going to be like, oh, that's a fixed mindset idea. Yeah. How can I change that to be a growth mindset idea? So just being aware is the first biggest, like, you know, you look at a, a pyramid, right? And that's the base. Yeah. That's the base of the pyramid. Just being aware of these two mindsets. Yeah, being gonna, aware and know how to identify it on exactly. your day to day. I know a lot of people that like to just do people watching, right? Well, how about convert that people watching into learning to identify people's mindsets? Yeah. And, um, you know, the biggest thing is we have kids. Yep. You know, my youngest is nine. Yep. You know, Piper's nine, right? Eight. Oh, she's eight. Yep. That's right. She acts like she's nine. Yeah. She's way too grown for her own good. But, um, you know, dealing with parents and athletics, you know, my son's in flag football and just seeing the difference in. You know, a lot of parents are just looking at, oh, if my kid's talented, well, that talent's just going to carry them, you know, throughout their lifetime. And it doesn't work that way. It's not what I teach my kids. And it's almost a, lot, a lot of it is based on the growth mindset. But, you know, Carol, because she talks about if you just do the Al Bundy thing and think that talent is just going to carry you. Well, guess what? You, it never leads to success. And the, the, it's almost harming. Yeah. God given talent is almost harming because you never learn effort. Yeah. And I don't know the data, but if I was supposed to look at all these parents that say, oh, my kid's talented. Well, guess what? I think 90% of talented kids never move on to, quote, success because they just sit on that talent and they end up riding that talent into sitting in a bar, balding and fat, talking about, you know, when they were successful 20 years ago and they're selling shoes and got their hand down their pants yep. and, you know, have a sitcom. Yep. And um, what I always teach my kids and is you always have to keep this in the back of your mind is talent is on one ledge and success is on the other. And what bridges that 
is hard work and research all the time. So, you know, your talent's only a foundation. It's a foundation. That's exactly what it is. It's a starting point. And you may have a starting point that's a little bit ahead of somebody else. But guess what? You know what momentum is? Somebody that starts 10 steps behind you and catches you, they've got a lot more fucking momentum than you do. Yeah. And if, if somebody's talented and blessed and gifted in some way, and if they're willing to develop that, hey, you could be great. Yes. Actually, I'm not even say you could be. You will be. You great. will be. Yep. Yeah. So. So um, that's the first thing. And with that comes learning about neurons. Um, I put that on there just because if you understand that your body is always create your not your body, your brain is always creating new neurons and always creating new neur- neural pathways. That's a slow process, but it happens. And that is what learning is. Learning knowledge, everything that your brain does is basically just an electrical connection from one neuron to another. And it's a neural pathway, one to another, to another, to another, billions of times over. And that is knowledge. That's not fixed. Your brain is always creating new neurons and it's always creating new neural pathways. Um, Not to get this is an off topic where I'm at. I'm set 57 minutes. They did a study on nuns. They took nuns and dissected their brains after they passed away. Nuns had almost the equivalent amount of arthrosclerotic plaques that cause Alzheimer's. The nuns that were always learning and had a new growth mindset, basically they were always learning something new, always reading, always developing their mind. They had the same amount of arthrosclerotic plaques and a drastically less amount of Alzheimer's uh, characteristics. So the ability, the memories found new ways to get through with the new neural pathways. The nuns that were stuck in their own old ways and never were building new neural pathways and new neurons, all those memories, they just lost. Well, so they still, they had the same amount of plaques, the same amount of damage, but the, the nuns who, who were, who were the growth mindset nuns, did not deal with Alzheimer's nearly as bad as the nuns that were fixed mindset. Yeah. Moving on to get through the rest of this. Um, you need to view challenges as opportunities, not as problems, not as negatives, but challenges are opportunities for you to learn, opportunities for you to overcome, opportunities for you to, to show the amount of effort that you can put in. Um, focus on the process instead of results and prioritize learning over seeking approval. That one's an interesting one because we all have an internal ego and we all want that ego to be fluffed. We all want to feel like we're smart and we all want to feel like we're knowledgeable and we can accomplish things and we're strong and whatever your ego gets its boost from. We all want that. But you have to be able to control that ego and put it aside and realize that becoming good at something is much more impressive than being good at something. Yeah. I think humility is the biggest key, the biggest key, because there's a lot of people that will accomplish things and it becomes their, their mantle, you know, their mantle of medals, awards, you know, letters, or, you know, however, what stage of your life and you hang on to that. Um, and that's one thing that I keep in my mind all the time, especially, you know, as I travel for business and meet other people is that, you know what? Ultimately, we are all little fish in a huge lake, you know, and when you're in a fixed mindset, you always walk around with this. I'm a big fish in a little pond mentality. And that's why you don't grow 
because you think, well, I have it all and I've done it all. And then they keep looking back at that trophy 20 years ago when they scored that touchdown. And if you judge yourself on that trophy and those medals and those accomplishments, you're scared to do anything that you're going to fail at because you're going to be bad at it. And, exactly. you, and, and you are judging yourself on your accomplishments. So you go from being an accomplished medal earner to a failure, <laughs> yeah. not somebody that's trying something new and is brave for trying something new. You are judging yourself. You are internally looking at yourself as a failure because you're not good at this new thing that you've never fucking done before. Yeah. Yeah. And I got a picture in my mind of somebody that literally has a high school hall of fame and they hang their whole life on that. Oh, that's so the, sad. the big fish in a little pond. That's mentality. so sad. <laughs> so. Um, learn to enjoy the learning process. Um, that one's, hard for me, but also humbling, uh, goals and especially big picture goals and cultivating a sense of purpose. And that one is an interesting one because if you are doing something, whether it is the five minutes that you have in the morning before you go to work, after you've eaten your breakfast, you're ready to leave, but you don't need to leave yet. Right. That five minutes, if you're doing something that is helping you achieve a, a goal or a purpose in your life, right? Like I, I want this podcast to be huge. I want to help a hundred thousand people become fucking awesome, amazing, earth shattering, badass people. That is a fucking goal. That is a, that is a purpose. And that is a goal. If I'm spending that five minutes doing something to improve this, reaching out to somebody, Hey, did you listen to this week's podcast? Takes me 30 seconds. I could do 10 people in five minutes. That is going to be a growth mindset action versus have you seen these new Instagram reels, right? So we talk shit about TikTok, right? We yeah. talk a ton of shit about TikTok because people are addicted. They're, 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 they'll doom scroll for fucking an hour and have no idea what the, what happened in the last hour. Well, Instagram figured out that to compete with TikTok, they needed to implement a lot of the same things. And they've put on these reels. Oh, that's what the reels are? That's what the reels are. That is Instagram's competition to TikTok. And all of a sudden, and this just happened in the last month, I started getting a bunch of these sent to me from different people. So reels? Reels. Yeah. The little, they're the little short videos. You know, they're like, if you were, if you're on Instagram, there's like a spot for the little short videos. They're not stories. Oh, you know, they're the little short videos. And you click on one and then it automatically goes to the next. It plays the audio's uh, on you don't get to select the audio and it's automatically on and this is all algorithm built automatically playing just to keep your attention span and it's like oh this one's funny i'll send it oh this one's interesting i'll send it oh this one i'll send it oh this one i'll send it and all of a sudden i'm like in the last month how oh, many more hours have been wasted that's it that's right you? there oh, okay that's instagram's competition to tiktok Jeez. okay uh, be willing to make mistakes. Mistakes. We talk about it in one of the first podcasts. There is, there's no failing. There's just learning. You are yeah. not a mistake. That is not you. You are not in your mistake. You are, you're a badass for trying something that you're not good at. Right. Learn to change your mindset. Learn from others failures. That one's interesting. Like if I see you fail, learn from what you could have done. If you, if you decided that you wanted to go uh, take some accreditation, right? You wanted to, to, to become a physical therapist, whatever. And you decide that you are going to watch YouTube videos to learn all the information and not ever, ever open the book. You fail. 
what can I learn from that failure? Well, I can learn from that failure that maybe YouTube is not the way to learn everything and I should open the fucking book that yeah. goes along with the test, right? Like these are all learning that yeah. I didn't need to make that failure. <laughs> I can learn from your failure and I can learn from Bill's failure and I can learn from John's failure and I can accomplish three people's life's worth of a failure failures just by learning from others' failures. Yeah. Uh, pretend others' mistakes are yours and find the lessons. That's the same thing. Learn to receive constructive criticism. That one isn't always the easiest because a lot of people aren't very good at giving constructive criticism. There's a lot of people that are trying to give constructive criticism, but their egos made them make them deliver it right. like assholes. Yeah. And that's, I think where it comes down to having, you have to realize who your 3 a.m. friends are versus your 6 p.m. friends. Your 6 p.m. friends that we talk about are the guys that, or, you know, gals that basically are the ones who are great to go out with, to hang out with, go on vacation with. But guess what? When the shit hits the fan, you know, the ones that are going to answer the phone at 3 a.m. and be ready. And you're on the phone with them and they're like, all right, I got my pants and shoes on. I'm running out the door. Whatever you need. Yep. Just let me know. I mean, those are the ones that are, you're going to take constructive criticism from whether it's tactful or not. And and listen, when someone is giving you criticism. Yeah, yeah, willing to take it. Listen, don't try to answer. Don't automatically poo-poo that criticism as, oh, no, that's not that. Oh, no, it's this. Oh, no, it's this. Oh, no, I, don't, I don't do that. No, I don't. I don't want to hear that. Right. Or I wasn't looking for an answer. You know, like. If somebody gives you, yeah. To listen to suggestions for improvement. Yeah. And if somebody criticizes you, don't get defensive right away. Yeah. And just uh, assume that, you know what, maybe there's, if even if you think it's untrue, assume that there's like 5% of that is true and figure out a way, okay, how do I change that if I'm doing it? Yeah. Um, cultivate grit. If you haven't read the book, uh, grit by Angela Duckworth, it's awesome. Grit is basically defined as perseverance and passion for long-term goals. Grit is the ability for us to keep sitting down, recording these podcasts every single week, week after week, after week, after week, knowing that maybe by podcast hundred or podcast 200 or podcast 500, that we're hitting thousands of people's lives versus hundreds of people's lives or hundreds of thousands of people's lives versus a thousands of people's lives. That is grit. And then Never forget that good soup takes time. You can't throw a bunch of shit in a pot, bring it up to the temperature and then eat it and expect it to the flavors to meld. Improvement takes time. Growth takes time. Learning takes time. That's funny. Blended families take time. Blended families, relationships take time and fucking effort. If you're not putting in effort and you're not going 50%, Let's say every single person should go 60% of the way to the middle because the the other person is not always going to go the other 50%. Everything takes time and it takes effort and you have to be putting in the little work and the habits day after day. You want to be working on the pillars of being squared away. You have to be improving yourself mentally. That doesn't mean next week I'm smarter than this week. That means instead of doom scrolling, I'm gonna listen to an audiobook. I'm gonna watch a TED talk. That means that if you wanna improve your spirituality, logging into digital church or going to church or reading a passage from the Bible every day and thinking about it, not just reading it, 
thinking about it. How can I implement right. it into my life? You want to become better emotionally. That means that you need to be thinking about your mindset and your attitude towards the people around you. All of this is things. These are little steps that will go together to create a trip around the world a hundred times. Yeah. You know, you had a, you missed a point here where you're talking about a group of people screen. Did I? About the ideal mate. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's hit that quick. It's kind of interesting. Where is that? I don't even know where it is. Oh, a group of people were screened for mindset and asked what their ideal mate was. Fixed mindset folks wanted to be put on a pedestal, worshipped, have their self-esteem fulfilled by their mate versus a growth mindset folks wanted someone who could see their faults wholeheartedly and help them improve them. They wanted people that would thoughtfully foster their development. Yeah, I like that. that's a good one. Yeah. She actually goes, she goes deeper into that and talks about problems where growth mindset people married fixed mindset people and the, the, the very fast damage that happened to a relationship because so-and-so would say, Hey, we're not going out enough. I would like to go out more. Let's go out. And the person that they, you know, the, the woman said that to her husband and her husband was a fixed mindset person and he instantly would be damaged and think that life is over and she hates him and he would call his mom for the automatic gratification <laughs> that he that he needed he needed to think oh. that everything he was doing was perfect and she was a growth mindset person she was like hey we can improve this hey we can improve this hey we can improve this and every time she brought that up he was just damaged and it she it took an entire week to like get him back up to a normal comfortable level wow yeah i, I could definitely see that yeah but i thought that was good yeah like that summary there. Awesome. All right. I think that is a wrap. We're in an hour 10 again. So right. everybody have a great week. Peace out. <laughs>